to the Travel Squad podcast. We adventure the world together, one passport stamp at a time. We're here to share travel news, tips, and our own adventures with you. Every Travel Tuesday, we share stories on a variety of topics, including our hometown, San Diego, hiking, weekenders, national parks, international getaways, and inspiring you to go on your own adventures, even if it starts with your own backyard. I'm Jamal. Brittany. And I'm Kim. And And we're we're the the Travel Travel Squad Squad Podcast. Podcast. So grab your ticket and your passport. And don't forget your travel insurance. And prepare for takeoff. Hello, fellow travelers. Hello. Welcome to episode 85 of the Travel Squad podcast. Today, we're going to talk to you guys all about the 10 best places to visit in the summer. We're going to keep it domestic and also take you international. We know people are getting vaccinated. Some countries are opening. So if you can't hit up these international places this year, keep them in mind for next year because these, again, are 10 solid places to visit during the summer. And right now, it's the perfect time to plan a summer vacation. It's early May, and there's still a lot of summer ahead of us. And there's a lot of beautiful places to visit right now that are really cold any other time of year. And so summer is the perfect time to visit. And I'm really excited to talk about some of those locations. Summer is my favorite time of year, and I love to travel even in the summer because of these reasons. Warm beaches. I know, Jamal, you love beaches. When I'm on vacation, I do, yes. (laughs) Sunshine. The days are longer, so you can fit more in. And how good does a cold adult beverage taste on a hot summer day? So good. Exponentially better. Refreshing. And 4th of July. Who doesn't love 4th of July? It's my favorite holiday. I love 4th of July. So there are so many cool places to visit in the summer. Some of them can be really hot, so we've avoided putting those on our list. But we do have some really great temperature places to visit that you can either get away from the summer sun or kind of enjoy it a little bit more. And again, like Jamal said, we're staying in the U.S. and we are breaking free finally and getting outside of the country a little bit too. And I think you brought up a really good point, Kim, because when Brittany was saying, you know, a lot of these places or some of them at least that we're going to mention, they really have a short season window and you have to go during summertime. Also, too, for the same point that you said, really a lot of these places have temperate weather at these times, too. So it's a great way to escape the heat also, which I really, really love. That's more up my alley, really, (laughs) because I hate the heat. Yeah. So we don't have a lot of tropical places. Like when you think summer, you maybe think like the Caribbean. Or Hawaii. We specifically don't have places like that on our list because they're hot, humid. You know about them already. They're popular. And you can go at other times of the year. Right. Those would be good winter destinations, really, because they're tropical all year round. So that's the place to go to escape the cold. Yeah. So we're going to... Reverse it up. Reverse it up. <laughs> and let's let's get in. Let's go on vacation. All right. Number one on our list is Seattle, Washington. And Seattle is located in the Pacific Northwest. I've been to Seattle a few times and I really love it because it's usually really cold and rainy there. It rains like 150 days out of the year. So almost half of the year it rains. And in the summer, it just has really nice weather. It ranges like right around the 70s. Yeah, from June to August, an average high is about 69 to 73 degrees, again, spanning those three months. So, I mean, really beautiful temperate weather. I know Brittany mentioned it rains. We know Seattle, the rainy city, but not during these times. So this is the perfect time to go and a great place to go and escape that heat also. I visited Seattle for the first time in August, not last last August, a few years ago. And I was there for two days. The first day it rained. The second day it was hot as fuck. So you got like two different types of climate. There There you go. You got the average (laughs) somewhere in the middle right there. Yes. But there's a lot of fun things to do in Seattle, like go to the Pike Place Market. It's like their big fish market. There's restaurants around. They sell a lot of crafts. I've even gone to the first Starbucks that's across the street. And then if you're adventurous, go down Gum Alley. It's this little alley and people have just chewed up bubble gum and stuck it on the the walls of the alley. Don't worry. It's been sanitized. (laughs) Well, don't touch it. If you're going to touch the the wall only touch what you're putting on it i should say versus <laughs> other people's but it's one of those cool little cultural things that they have in that area around pike's place like Brittany said the fish market i'm sure we've all maybe seen news clips or if a movie takes place in seattle and they have those flash scenes you know where they throw the fish from 
person to person from the mongers like this is here at pike's place so it's really cool really awesome place to see in that area and also let's not forget the space needle it's seattle's iconic skyscraper you can go to the top get amazing views and during the summer these are the clearer months in washington and seattle so you won't have that low level cloud or fog so you'll have amazing amazing view the hottest fuck day of seattle when i went was the day we went to the space needle it was air conditioned i bet so you got it a was, nice little reprieve <laughs> it was and it had great views i loved the space needle called a tourist trap whatever i loved the space needle what did you love about it just the amazing views i'm a sucker for a good view it's like a rooftop view times five thousand. they have a place at the very top that rotates and you can lay down on it too and it's glass so you're literally laying in the sky it's really cool and that sounds really cool i haven't been up into the space needle i've definitely seen it and one of my favorite places to go look at the seattle skyline is actually from gasworks park it overlooks the downtown area and the city of seattle and oh. it's really cool to see it's across the bay on the north side of downtown seattle so you're looking south into downtown and it's really cool it's called gasworks park because the park has like these old industrial pipes that are there from the early like 1900s it's really interesting but it does really give you great views the weather's perfect good place to go and have a picnic nonetheless and enjoy beautiful views of the seattle skyline but another really cool thing to do in seattle and seattle area that i really really liked was go to ballard locks now when you hear locks maybe some people know what they are some people don't i'm sure maybe people are aware that when you go through the panama canal they have those little locks that's what they're called or little channels where the water levels aren't even so they have to flood you up well, around Seattle area, there's lots of water from their bay and Puget Sound. So this is their area where they have the locks and you can watch boats rise up and get from one Ooh. place to the other. It's really cool because even during migration season, because they have the locks, they want to make sure that the salmon and the steelhead get through. So you can watch the fish ladders, which are there for them to climb through those levels also. And they have glass windows that you could watch them do it. So That's really, cool. yeah, it's a really unique, cool experience. And just Seattle. Seattle's all around great place to visit during the summer. I have a squad tip. Give it to us. Best rooftop bar in Seattle is downtown called The Nest. Did you go there? I did. Good city views, good water views. Highly recommend. I like that pun, The Nest. It's like it's up and overlooking. It's exactly what it is too. It's atop a really tall hotel. And keeping on with Seattle, before we move on, a couple more things. You can get a twofer, go to Seattle, take a ferry to Vancouver, make it international. So that's Ooh. not on our list necessarily as a place, although it very well could be, but that's because we're leaving it in here as a twofer. And this is also a really, really good time to visit the three Washington State National Parks. Not a lot of people know there are three national parks. We've been to them all. We've have episodes on them, episodes 68 and 69, talking all about Olympic National Park, North Cascades, and Mount Rainier. We even have itineraries out for you guys to purchase on these three national parks, so do check it out. The itinerary is killer. It's a full week where you're exploring national park, national park, national park, with the hikes to do, the driving route to take, how long it's going to take you, where to stay. It's like so comprehensive and a good thing to add on to your trip to Seattle or use Seattle as your home base and then use it as a hub. And I was going to say, yeah, because Seattle's in the middle of all three of them it pretty really much. Is. And again, Mount Rainier is covered in snow during the winter. So you can't go there during the winter. North Cascades is up in the mountains too. You can't go there during the winter. So those are still perfect activities to do in the summertime when the weather's more temperate. When I went to Olympic National Park in August, even though it was summer, Olympic was still drizzly, foggy, cold. I wore a rain jacket there. So moving international, we haven't been international in a long time, guys. Way too long. And we're going to Peru. Ooh, I love Peru. So you may say, all right, summer in Peru, you'd think it would be hot. But keep in mind, this is south of the equator. It is actually their winter. And it's not winter in the sense that it's cold. It's winter in the time that it's perfect temperature for you to go. So the reason being is because if you go during other times, it is a wet season. This is their dry season. So their winter, ironically, is their dry season. So perfect time to go. And this is the best time for you to go, specifically if you're going to Peru, to Machu Picchu. And why is that, ladies? 
it's a great time to go to Machu Picchu because of the dry weather. It's not raining as much on the trail. You definitely don't want to be hiking 26 miles to Machu Picchu in the rain. Definitely do not. And this was our first squad trip together. So this just brings back just so many fond memories of traveling together as well. And we used Cusco as a hub. And I fell in love with the culture, the people, the markets. And Kim probably fell in love with the free walking tours. (laughs) (laughs) Or someone who gave the walking tours, we should say. Yes, there you go. Also, though, the weather when we were there, it did have some cloudier, chillier days where you'd want to wear a sweater. But some of the days were really hot, too, especially as we were walking up the stairs to Cristo Blanco. On our easy day? Yeah, our easy day. Well, I feel like... (laughs) It was warm on those days. I wouldn't say it was excessively hot. What made it hot is because it's a very hilly city. So as you're doing the exercise climbing up, you get warm. What about the elevation being so high closer to the sun? Well, that has it bearing on it too, because you're at a higher elevation. So it should be cooler temperatures, right? I mean, you're about at 10,000 feet. So you're more prone to getting sunburns because you're closer to the sun. I mean, I burnt up. We know this. I mean, I guess it's classic (laughs) cliche. Jamal always burns, but you feel the warmth more that way because of it, but still all around really good temperature wise to escape the normal heat in the U.S. and have that really, really good weather to and not be the rainy season in the Southern Hemisphere. I would love to go back to Peru. I'd love to go see the Nazca Lines, Lake Titicaca. Lima. And Lima. Yeah, definitely Lima as well. So I would definitely go back to Peru. It's on my list. We have a couple past podcast episodes on our trip to Peru. We did one just on the city of Cusco, and that was episode number 16. And then we dedicated a whole episode to the four-day trek to Machu Picchu, and that one is episode 10, right? Yeah. So definitely go check them out if you haven't listened already. They are good. They are funny. They're good. They're funny. And they can give you a lot, lot more details on how to make the most of your trip when you go down there for the summer. So popping back over to the U.S., we're heading to number three on our list, Alaska. So we're leaving it in general for the state, not necessarily a specific city, because unless you want to freeze yourself to death and you're not used to that type of cold up in the Arctic Circle, I doubt you really want to go there at that time. So Alaska during the summer is still great. You're going to still see snow-capped mountains at the top, but the weather not at the top of those mountains are going to be nice. It's going to be temperate. It's going to be beautiful, lush, green, wildlife. Alaska has it all. I've actually been to Alaska three times and all three of them were in the summer. And the summer is really interesting because it does not get dark. Yeah, it doesn't. It's just daylight like pretty much all the time. It could be three in the morning. You wouldn't know the difference between 3 p.m. So you can make the most of your day by having your day be 24 (laughs) hours a day. I mean, there's nothing else to do but hit the road and see it all, right? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. But there's lots of ways that you can see and visit Alaska during the summer. You can actually fly up there, go yourself, explore on your own. The capital city of Juneau, they have a national park nearby, Glacier Bay National Park that you could catch ferries and go to, take helicopter rides as Brittany and I did on the Mindenhall Glacier out there. Or you can take the leisure way, which is the only way we've really been there and I loved, which is taking an Alaska cruise. Mm. Definitely recommend that. Like Alaska is so beautiful and you get to see glacier, fjords, waterfalls, wildlife. It's it's amazing. It's America's last frontier. Whale watching. It has it all. Like really it has it all. And we love, love, love national parks. So we can't move on from Alaska without touching upon a few of them. Alaska has eight, but four. Four really standout ones that we want to mention is going to be Katmai. And this is really famous for all their brown bears. During spring, during summer, you can catch them. Catching salmon? Yeah, all at the waterfall and the streams. They're all huddled there together in masses. Denali National Park, Glacier Bay, which I mentioned. And obviously, I want to go here. This is obviously I want to go to all national parks, but this one is major, major bucket list here. Gates of the Arctic. If you can't tell, it's literally above the Arctic Circle, hence the name. No roads get you here. You have to fly in yourself by private plane, hire tour guides to take you out into the Alaska bush. It is wild from everything that I've read. And if you can during the summer, highly recommend doing that. And then you could tell me all about it to get me more inspired for myself. I want to go to Katmai and see some grizzlies eating fish. So do I. That's like, I think probably one of my number one national parks for Alaska, for sure. But I have two fun facts about Alaska. 
I actually recently found out that my sister learned as an adult that Alaska is not an island (laughs) (laughs) and it's actually connected to Canada. And she was like, how dare they put them on the map in like the Hawaii format kind of like they do that. Yeah, yeah. they do. So she thought it was an island for a long time and she learned as an adult that it was not. So I love your sister, but I'm not going to lie. I'm slightly (laughs) judging her right now. That is some of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard in my life. But you know what? I'm going to let that slide, Mary. It's all good. (laughs) Another fun fact, and Jamal just kind of like brushed over this. He was like, yeah, we took a helicopter tour to the top of the Mendenhall Glacier. That's actually where he proposed to me in Alaska. So it was a it was a really amazing engagement. And we were just glacier trekking and it was so romantic. So loved it. I trekked on a glacier when I was in Alaska, but no one proposed to me. Were you with the right person that you wanted to propose to you? (laughs) No, definitely not. Then I wouldn't worry about it. But tell you what, Kim, when we know definitively, like, this is the one I'm going to say, like, I mean, Kim pretty much said it on the podcast. This is how she wants to be proposed to. And they're going to know. And then when they fail on that, you can hold it over them the rest of the marriage Mm. and your lives together and be like, you didn't propose to me this way. That's a little hexy. I know. I'm just kidding around. (laughs) Kind of be overdramatic, but I'm just playing. Well, let's go to another glacier-focused place. You guys have been to this number four on our list. Yes, and another national park, Glacier National Park in Montana. So why is it the perfect time to go in summer, Jamal? Well, it's the perfect time to go in summer because it has a short season. There gets so much snow in that area that you can't even access three-fourths of the entire park. Basically, Glacier National Park has one main road that runs through it. A small portion of it is at lake level, so it's relatively flat. But the majority of it goes up a mountainside all along the edge. It's called the Going to the Sun Road. And you can't even access that road until sometimes late May to mid-June, sometimes even later than that, because there's so much snow cover on it. So it has such a short season that you can really only explore the entire park during the summer. Yeah, I think it actually doesn't even fully open until late June. And when you do go there, you're probably going to go past Logan's Pass. And there is a visitor center there. And there's these like really tall antennas at the top of it. And I actually heard that they're so tall because the snow accumulates that much. And it's like a focal point so that they know that a building's there. Oh, wow. So you will see snow even in the summer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You will see snow in the summer on top of the mountaintops. I mean, there's still glaciers there. Unfortunately, we know the reality. A lot of them are receding. So that's what's happening there. But still overall beautiful scenic beauty. The average summer temperature from June to August ranges from 61 to 70 degrees. And one of my favorite things about Glacier, other than the wildlife, is Lake McDonald. And why don't you tell them why, Brittany? Because it's the same reason for you. Yeah, so Lake McDonald is known for its really, really colorful rocks on the bed of the lake. And the water is just super clear as well. So when you take a photo, you get a photo of the mountains in the backdrop, but also them reflecting into the water. And then you also get the really beautiful, colorful rocks in the picture as well. And Jamal and I went during the summer and the water is still freezing freezing cold midsummer just fyi if anyone wants to know so you don't want to swim in it but you could definitely <laughs> kayak in it and during winter it's going to be frozen over and i don't think you can actually see into it when it's frozen because it'll get a little bit cloudy it won't be clear so again another reason why summer is going to be so great for it but a couple highlights of things that you want to do popular hiking trails will be avalanche lake hidden lake and on these trails you may come across grizzly bears black bears they're all around throughout the entire park A lot of times people do see them on these trails just as well. So if you go be bear aware, have your bear spray. They are there, but amazing place to see wildlife also. And if you want to hear more about Glacier National Park, we've done an episode about it. It's episode 69. We've also talked about Glacier in episode 72 because it's another park where you don't have to be a hiker to visit it. So episode 72 is 11 beautiful national parks for non-hikers. And I know we mentioned hiking trails as things to do. And if you love to hike, do them. But you can enjoy Glacier thoroughly without doing hiking too. So that's why we featured on that. It's a double combo punch right there. Non-hike and hike. It's all great all around. Nice. Number five on our list is going much, much farther away, all the way to South Africa. Going back to the Southern Hemisphere, going back international. And unfortunately, Kim, I'd like to say you joined us on this one, but you did not. Damn it. In spirit. I am considering going in January, next January with Cash and Ryan. 
Oh, you definitely you should. should. I heard they threw out the invite for you. I know. You. Wouldn't that be crazy if I said no twice? Oh, oh well, see, well, see, now you can't. You have to go now because now it's going to be like, wow, I've turned down South Africa twice. Yeah. That's ridiculous. There won't be a third. <laughs> there will be a third because I want to go back. <laughs> I can tell you that much. But the reason why we list South Africa is because June through August, again, is going to be winter. You're in the Southern Hemisphere. And interestingly enough, dry season again, just like it was in Peru. So it's going to be decent temperatures. It's going to be the dry season. And if you're going to be going on safaris, this is actually some of the best time to see wildlife viewings is during the dry season because the animals are going to have to venture out more to try to find water versus staying around watering holes. So there's a lot more movement of animals during these times. And there are a lot less mosquitoes. You do not want to get torn up by mosquitoes in Africa. Let me tell you that or anywhere for that matter. But you don't want to go on a trip all the way to Africa and be bit by mosquitoes because some of the hotels we stayed at, they have mosquito nuts like it's a, a thing. <laughs> and it really is. So they're out there. That's Kim for sure. Scary. <laughs> that's why you got to go during this time. Perfect during summer. Avoid the mosquitoes. Doesn't sound like she's going to be going in summer, though. She's going to be going in January. Oh, shit. <laughs> Just bring your bug spray, Cam. I'm going to be bathing in it. Mosquitoes <laughs> love me. <laughs> One of the fun places that we visited was Kruger National Park. It's super famous. We were there to see some of the big five. Unfortunately, we didn't see all big five. We got the big four. Can missed- you name the big five, Kim? Cheetah? Negative. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with the simple ones. Elephant. That's one. Rhino. That's one. Hippo. Negative. Lion. Yes. Jaguar? Negative. And jaguars do not live in (laughs) Africa. They're in South America. What is the African version of a jaguar? Puma. Leopard. Oh, a leopard. That's one you didn't see. Yeah, we didn't see a leopard. And then Cape Buffalo. So again, it's going to be elephant, lion, Cape Buffalo, leopard, and rhinos. And we did not see the leopard when we were on our safari in Kruger National Park. We got a radio call from another safari guide saying, hey, there's a leopard. There's a leopard. Come. We were about 15 minutes away. By the time we got there, the leopard had vacated the scene, but he left his prey, his dead impala stacked in the tree, which we were able to see just hanging up there. But the leopard was gone at that point. What's the difference between a leopard and a cheetah? Um, lots of differences. The cheetah is more nimble and fast. They're the fastest land animals and they're a lot thinner. Leopards are more bulky and they're definitely more deadly. Like, let's put it this way. If I was, for whatever reason, silly and decided, let me walk out of this vehicle on safari and a cheetah came up next to me, I really wouldn't be too concerned that it would look at me as prey and try to eat me, but I would definitely be worried if a leopard came up next to me. So that would be the best difference I can say in terms of how it matters to us. (laughs) (laughs) When we're out there. Also, while you're in South Africa, you're definitely going to visit Cape Town and go to Boulder Beach for their penguins on the beach, which super cool to see on the boardwalk. Also, while you're in Cape Town, you get the backdrop of Table Mountain. It's super cool to go up there and to look down at the coastline and back into the city. Yeah, you have to take gondolas to get up or you could even hike up there. Yeah, I'm actually a little pissed off that Jamal and I didn't hike up Table Mountain, that we had to take the gondola instead. Well, we were on a guided tour and for time constraints, obviously we took the gondolas. And on this trip, I know you didn't come, Kim, but our friends Josh and Anna came with us. They loved Africa so much, they went back on another Africa trip after we had gotten back, believe it or not, went back to Cape Town. But this time they actually hiked up versus taking the gondolas. So they actually did that. Yeah, I'm jealous of that. But South Africa is just a really beautiful place to visit in general. And it's really fun. And there's so many things that can happen there that you're like, this is Africa. So we came up with our slogan was TIA. This is Africa. What's something, an example of something you'd use that for? Oh my goodness. So we went to go get lunch at the VA waterfront and I ordered a particular dish. And when the guy brought it out, he brought me something that I didn't order. And I said, I'm sorry, I ordered this. And he said, nope, this is what you ordered. And he like wouldn't budge on it. (laughs) And it was like, all right, this is Africa. And then taking a long time for your food to come out, not necessarily at that place, but we ate at another restaurant. And it was funny, our tour guide even said the same thing. He's like, you're here, the service industry, it's 
safe in that sense. Your food's going to be healthy. You're not going to get sick. But at the same time, don't expect what you get in America and don't feel like you can complain. Mm. And so we came up with that saying, although I can't really say that we truly came up with it. I pulled it and stole it from Leonardo DiCaprio in Blood Diamond, <laughs> which takes place in Africa. He says TIA. I took it from Leo. <laughs> And if you want to hear more about our African vacations, you can hear about them in episode 26 and 27. Real good episodes. I highly recommend going checking those out. Hey, travelers, let's take a quick detour to talk all about our travel itineraries that we've created just for you. We now have six different trip itineraries, one week in Kauai, an American Southwest weekend or road trip, a week in Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks, a road trip adventure featuring all three of Washington State's national parks, Big Island, Hawaii, and an Arizona road trip that features all three of Arizona's national parks. We are obsessed with these. These itineraries are 20 to 30 page PDF guides with every detail of the trip laid out. We're talking where to fly into, the exact route to take, where to stay, park entrance prices, where to eat, and driving distance between attractions. Plus what things to see and do, even the hikes we recommend, and their mileage, and the time to allow for each one, and so much more. We have story highlights on our Instagram, at Travel Squad Podcast, where you can see the full guides. We've done all of the research and have taken these exact trips, taking our all of the guesswork from the planning so all that you have to do is show up and have fun purchase your comprehensive travel squad podcast itinerary on our website at travelsquadpodcast.com best of all they're on sale right now for 30 dollars. so travel on over and get yours today another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So moving on on our list to number six, we're going to Yellowstone and Grand Tetons National Park. We took this trip in early June of 2020, and the weather was really good, really, really good. We had some warm days. We had some chillier days where we wore sweaters, but it was by no means freezing cold, and it was good. There was a decent amount of people. This is also the busy season for these two parks. But these two parks are beautiful. There's so much to see. This is just about the time when the bears have woken up and now they're out and the baby bears are out roaming. So you have chances of seeing that kind of wildlife. There's tons of wildlife in general. Buffaloes, those bison were everywhere. We had foxes. We saw those big mooses. Mm-hmm, a lot of those. And we did get to see two baby bears. Yeah, we did. we did. Mama, we didn't get to see mama. She was around somewhere because you know she's not leaving them alone but uh it's funny this is a good segue coming into number six for yellowstone and grand teton national park they are in wyoming in the united states they are right by each other and you can't do one without doing the other. right and they're two separate national parks so you have to do them both and this is like America's safari. So it's a good segue coming from Africa because now we're doing like American safaris. Lots of wildlife. You will see the same thing in Alaska too. But if you're staying in the lower 48, this is the place for that. And Yellowstone is known for its really unique geological formations, the colorful thermal springs, the geysers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, really can't miss that. And then Grand Tetons, like that mountain range is probably the most beautiful mountain range I've ever seen. Beautiful hikes, waterfalls, mm-hmm. everything. And then during the summer, all of the trails and roads are open. During the winter, they're not. So it's just a really nice place to visit in summer. I think it's the perfect time to visit, June. I would agree. I would definitely say so. And do keep in mind some of the roads do close in winter just as well. So that makes it another good reason why you need to visit during the summer. You can do hiking, boating, 
fishing, horseback riding, the boating fishing and horseback riding, more specifically at Grand Teton. Although I did see some people fishing in the streams in Yellowstone also with the appropriate permits, but uh, not that there's not bears all around in both those parks, but I'd be more worried than those fishing streams. They seemed a little bit more remote in Yellowstone, like, oh man, what if a bear comes out here while you're stuck in the water? I'd be a little freaked out, but those people have more... uh, courage than I will say. Yellowstone is a good park to go, especially if you have a little bit of extra time to take it slow. Yeah. Just bring your binoculars, bring some food in the truck and chill. Just take in the scenery. It's just so beautiful there. And if you want to hear more about these episodes, we have two of them. One for Grand Teton, episode 56, and another for Yellowstone, episode 57. And we have also created a week-long itinerary for these two national parks. And it's actually our most popular itinerary yet. There are so many questions about these parks, how to do it, what to expect. I mean, even down to like where to get bear spray and how to use it. And this itinerary tells it all. It's also a place that you want to book early because it gets really popular in the summer. And so we tell you what hotels to stay at, how to do it cheaper because it is so popular in the summer. It can be more expensive. So we give you all the inside tips to get the most bang for your buck and most bang for your time there. Absolutely. And I don't say this as a discouragement. I say this as a sense of a plan ahead, exactly as you were hitting on, Kim, because Brittany's dad is actually going to be doing this for the summer. Well, I shouldn't say summer. He's going tail into summer more September and not August. Isn't that right? I think so. And they're starting to look for hotels now. And the cheapest they're able to find is a Motel 6. <laughs> and guess how much that Motel 6 is going for a night? 400? Like 280. Uh, four, I mean, other places there are 400 a night that are a little bit better than a Motel 6. That's for sure. But if Motel 6 is average is 280 a night, I mean, what do you imagine everything else is out there? So there was, plan early. There was one place that I like looked at a search for my dad. And it came up as for one week stay in Jackson Hole. $26,000. Oh, wow. And I was like, Damn, that's a lot of money. Well, that's on the extreme high end. Let me tell you this. If you're planning a trip, don't think everything's going to be $26,000, but yeah. But yeah, it was was just crazy. We were really lucky when we went because we had planned this for a while, but... It was planned pre-COVID. And then COVID hit and the national park shut down. So we weren't sure if we were going to be able to go. But then a couple weeks before our trip, we got news that Tetons opened. So we were like, all right, cool, we're still going. But some of the roads for Yellowstone were still not... Not open. So we decided to go anyway and kind of roughed it out. And luckily, at the very last minute, the road opened that we needed to get to the hotel we'd booked. For Yellowstone. For Yellowstone. It was perfect. It was perfect. So do plan ahead, but you will enjoy these national parks immensely. So, so beautiful. So, so unique all around. So flying from the interior of Wyoming all the way to the west coast of the United States, close to our hometown, San Francisco, California. We all grew up living about an hour and a half from San Francisco. So this used to be, to some extent, like our big city stomping ground if we wanted to get out of Sacramento area. Yeah, and just like a lot of coast cities, the main heat comes around August to October. And that's true for San Francisco too. So if you go in June and July, it could still be cloudy, but you could also get lucky. I remember one time I went on 420 and it was hot. It was like 80 degrees. Oh, that's abnormal. So that also happens. With and if you're cities. saying 80 degrees is hot, you know, that's for San Francisco. A, well, no, I know for San Francisco it is, but in terms of just the general weather, you know what I mean? It's still good temperate yeah. weather, but yeah, that's extreme. Like in April, 80 degrees in San Francisco. Yeah. So it's it's pretty decent weather this time. And there's a lot to do. Pier 39. I love it. I know it's touristy, but I still love it. Or just going to see the views at Golden Gate Bridge, go to Golden Gate Park, going to visit the Japanese tea gardens. Renting a paddle boat or a canoe in Stowe Lake within Golden Gate Park, checking out some of the museums and things that they have in there. And let's not forget Alcatraz. If any of you live under a rock and don't know what Alcatraz is, it is a prison turned museum on an island off the coast of San Francisco in San Francisco Bay. Very, very popular. Al Capone actually died on Alcatraz. Of from, syphilis. Of syphilis, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, he was on Alcatraz. So many cool things to see in San Francisco. I mean, San Francisco is just a delight. 
Yeah. And I think one of the coolest summer attractions of all is to catch a baseball game at the Giants ballpark. Oh, that's something you yes. would say. Well, it's, it's a must. It's I, a summer activity. It's a summer activity. <laughs> that's number one. And it's just a great overall experience nonetheless. I always said that I think San Francisco Giants ballpark, it was AT&T Park. I, I mean, I forgot already now what they just changed the name to, but it will always be AT&T Park to me, <laughs> was ranked like one of the best ballparks in the United States. So even if you're not a baseball person, and it's just fun for the atmosphere, on the architecture. Nice warm day. Yeah, and it's on the bay itself. So mm-hmm. everywhere you're sitting in the park, you have a view of the water, you have a view of the Bay Bridge. It's really nice. But I'll tell you what was just ranked as the best ballpark in America. Petco Park down here in San Diego. Yeah, it was. I've heard that, but it's a good park, but I don't think it's better than San Francisco. I I don't think in terms of viewing for baseball, I know we're getting a little off topic now, (laughs) but I don't think in terms of viewing baseball, but I think that rating took into consideration like the food, all the venues and things that they have in there. But nonetheless, going back to San Francisco, really cool to check out a game there. But San Francisco is such a great all-American city. You're not going to be disappointed. And if you want to hear more about it, we talk all about San Francisco in episode 48. Number eight on our list is a place I have yet to go, and this is London, England. Yes, we're going to hop the pond, as they say in my terrible <laughs> British accent. That was and pretty bad. I know. I was, I was kind of trying, but not really trying. I'm not going to put my full attempt on the British one because I don't <laughs> want to stereotype an accent, <laughs> but we all know what that would maybe sound like. So we're going to hop the pond over to London, England, and Brittany and I have been to the UK, to London, and we had an absolutely amazing time. It's gorgeous. The average temperature is in the 70s around this time during the summer, although Europe is known to get the occasional heat wave. So if you go, you may have that happen to you. But this is one European city that I would recommend going to in the summer if you're willing to put up with the crowds. Yeah. And there's just so much to see. I mean, definitely check out the London Eye. It's one of the tallest Ferris wheels in the entire world. Did you ride it? We did. Oh, yeah. Yes. Worth it? I think so. I, I definitely think so. It is a tourist trap to an extent, but it does give you amazing views. I mean, when you're up there, your carriage or what do you want to call the Fully enclosed. Yeah, it's fully enclosed, enclosed, but it's glass. So you can see all around you. It's really clear and you get amazing views of Big Ben and Parliament. All the sky rise buildings that they do have there. So it's really unique and a nice perspective way to see London. And one of the first things that Jamal and I did when we went to London and what we like to do when we go to new cities is kind of take a hop on, a hop off bus tour. And that kind of gives you the lay of the land. And so we, we were able to see a lot of things. We were able to see the London Eye from a distance, Big Ben, Tower of London, Tower Bridge, which people often think is the London Bridge, but it is not. London Bridge is trash, by the way. Uh, nothing exciting about it. It's famous in the song, but it's trash. Tower Bridge Bridge is what you want to see and do. And Tower of London, I really like the shows dated back into that era. And so where like you see royal residences. And so Tower of London was actually used as a prison and a royal residence. And it's currently a museum that houses the crown jewels of the royal family. So that's really cool to see as well while you're there. I mean, it's so old. I think it dates back to like the year 1066 of when they originally started building it. Obviously, it looked different then and they've added to it. And it's also a famous place because this is where I think King Henry the eighth actually beheaded one of his queens at the Tower of London Mm -hmm. uh, just as well. So it has a very storied history, really cool thing to see there, but definitely not to be missed. Another couple highlights of things that you would for sure want to do in London is go to Westminster Abbey. This is where the queen has her church services. This is where a lot of kings and queens are interned. We saw a choral service when we were Mm -hmm. there. So that was really interesting. Is it open to the public? It is. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it is. It is. So you have have to go in and go do it. Obviously, at a time the Queen's there, they're having an official event. It's not open to the public, but it is open as a regular church to the general public. Mm-hmm. So we were able to go. And Kim, this is going to be right up your alley. <laughs> Two things actually right up your alley. Got to do afternoon tea when you're in the UK oh, yeah. and London. Oh. And London's really good for rooftop bars. Ooh. We hit up a rooftop bar when we were there. They have lots of them. Really? So you're going to love it when you oh, go. I'm dying to go to London. One, because I absolutely love afternoon tea. I've heard all about it from your trip there. I cannot wait to do an authentic high tea mm-hmm. in London. 
no more authentic than that. They created it. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And I also want to see the guards that don't move. The changing of the guards. No, no, no. Well, the guards that stand at attention that don't move. Oh, yes, yeah. but we did see the change in the guards. That's another thing. So many cool stuff I about it. I want to see some cool monarch stuff. Yeah. Because we just don't have that here in the U.S. Well, in the summer, you can tour Buckingham Palace. And it's open for 10 oh. weeks between July and October because the queen actually leaves England and goes on vacation. And in so- Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little bit better of an accent, I think, <laughs> that I pulled out. So they do open up Buckingham Palace to tour. Um, and Lon- we did that. We did do that. That's cool. London's also a great city for any Harry Potter fans out there. Anyone? Anyone? Just mm, me? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a great day trip to Stonehenge, which is... I want to see that too. I know we've brought this up as a possible episode and we, for just whatever reason, we've never put it out there, but now I'm really inspired. We're going to have to do our London episode because I feel like I'm just rambling about it. I really <laughs> loved London. Like I liked it a lot. We have talked about it before, but how about we wait until I go? That's what Kim keeps saying. She's <laughs> well, like, you can't do an episode until I go. So Kim, you better go soon. So I just want to open the border. Yeah, yeah. I want to throw this out there though. Obviously, when Brittany and I plan our trips alone or even our squad trips for that matter, you know, we always like to go someplace that we haven't gone before, right? Because who doesn't want to see and do new things? But I tell Brittany all the time, there's certain places that I would go back to in a heartbeat if we were to just say like, let's go somewhere, if it's someplace that we've already done. One of them was actually on this list already, which is Yellowstone and Grand Teton, but London is on that list again too. Mm -hmm. So if you can convince Brittany to redo another trip before she goes somewhere else that she really wants to go, squad trip on that one. I have a question about London. selfishly if I were to want to plan as quick of trip as possible but still get to see you know do high tea ride the ferris wheel maybe tour Buckingham Palace go to Stonehenge how many days four I was gonna say three to four including that includes travel time with it that's what we did because we did a week vacation and we split it halfway between London and halfway between Amsterdam. Amsterdam And we were able to make it work. Honestly, we could have spent some more time there. But if you really want to see the highlights and quick and you're willing to move like we did it in four days, you can. Everything we just listed, we were able to do in that time. Hmm. Okay. London's very central, has a really good metro system too. So you don't need to worry about like transportation. You could get a lot done because of that too. We're moving on to number nine on our list, which is Boston. I actually haven't been. I don't think Jamal's been either. So Kim, I have been. Boston, Massachusetts, in the New England part of the United States of America, it has a lot of colonial history. This is where the Boston Tea Party took place, the uh, middle or start of our civil revolution. <laughs> is that right, Mr. Historian? Well, I mean, you say civil, like civil war is start of the revolution. Uh, Revolutionary war. I stand yes. corrected. But yes, you can feel those colonial vibes there. And there's a lot of brick buildings. There's um, Acorn Alley, which is the oldest standing original cobblestone alley in Boston. I bet it was really beautiful. It was gorgeous. And the houses there are like $10 million estates. <laughs> Maybe Ben Affleck and Matt Damon have it because they're Bostonites themselves. Oh, Maybe yes. they live but I, I loved Boston. I love the vibes of it. I was there in the fall, which I think is an amazing time to visit because of the changing of the colors. But in Boston, they have a ton of outdoor spaces. They have a whole bay area with lots of boats. So there's a lot of good outdoor and like rooftop bar type activities to do there. It's also a really busy city. Like you imagine Chicago and New York. So there's tons of people out. You can go down to the Boston Commons, which is this big natural park area. I guess you can kind of think about it like Golden Gate Park or Central Park, but not as big, but it's it's a very well known. Well, I would say that makes it a little bit more quaint and unique too, that it's not so big, right? It's more, even though it's big, but localized in a sense. Yeah, it's definitely a major element of their downtown, but it's not quite as big as Is it like parks. our Balboa Park? maybe yeah i would say that even though Balboa park is bigger okay but really nice and then of course the boston red sox are major major player in the city so should i wear my yankee hat when i go there or no (laughs) no i wouldn't (laughs) i definitely wouldn't i'm not a yankee the park is actually really small and it was being renovated when i was there they're expanding it 
Fenway Park? Yes, Fenway Park. But it's so iconic and you can really tell how old it is when you're walking around. There's a lot of bars and restaurants around there. So there's actually bars you can go to that you can watch the baseball game live from. You have the view of the baseball game from the bar. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, so it's really cool. Really cool neighborhood, even if you're not going to the game. I haven't been there, as we had just mentioned. I really do want to go to Boston. And I heard it's great during the summer in terms of their weather, too, because you went during that season where it gets a little bit cooler in fall, but you don't want to be there during winter. I mean, they have oh crazy snowstorms and everything. But yeah, I got a little off track, but I want to go specifically, too, because the way you just described the ballpark area for Fenway reminds me of when we were in Chicago it does around feel like that. Um, the Chicago Cubs Stadium. Why am I drawing a blank on the, the name of their Does stadium right w? now? Yes, Wrigley Field. Thank you. Oh, look at Wrigley coming in hot with this I one. I totally blanked See, too. I know, I know. And I know it too. I just blanked on it. Yeah. Well, I've been impressing you with I, my knowledge. You have. Recently. You've come up with some trivial random knowledge that you've just blown my mind with. And knowing Wrigley Field, or at least the W aspect, really uh, saved me there from having to rack my brain around it. But yeah, just the old ballpark style with the nightlife and restaurants around and being able to see the stadium from outside of it and watch it. That sounds really exciting to me because I enjoyed that aspect in Chicago. Yeah, I felt a lot of similarities between Boston and Chicago. And actually, Chicago is not on our list, but I would totally recommend Chicago for summer too. Yeah, you know, I think one of the reasons why it didn't make it on our list because it gets super humid in the summer. Yeah, yeah. Chicago could be deadly hot but during the summer. Re- they have a major rooftop bar scene, though. I tell you what, Chicago is spring and fall. That's the time to All go. All right, there we go. There we go. Not summer, but honorable mention. <laughs> Shoulder season. <laughs> Snuck it in. And now we're at number 10 of our list and we have saved the best for last. Yes. So we are flying from the East Coast, New England, all the way to the opposite corner of the United States to our current hometown, San Diego, California. So one thing people always think is like, San Diego is great to visit, you know, May, June, but we actually have May gray and June gloom. Majorly. It's real. And I actually enjoy that a lot. But you know, if you're coming as a tourist and are thinking, oh, great weather, I mean, temperature wise, maybe, but you know, the sun ain't going to be shining, especially if you're trying to go to the beach. So (laughs) it's funny because that's when the rest of the country is heating up and people are getting all excited for summer. They're out for school and then they come here on vacation and all the locals laugh at the tourists for going out (laughs) into the water, even though it's cold when cloudy when they come. But after June, the May gray, June gloom typically burns off. And then July, August, all the way through October, San Diego is warm, sunny, and fun. Yeah, and there's a lot of great things to do in San Diego. Obviously, we just mentioned the beaches. Sand shark season in the La Jolla Shores is like July and August. You can always go to the world famous zoo in Balboa Park. No better zoo in the world than the San Diego Zoo. I don't just say that because I live here. Like I've been to several and uh, they just don't compare. You know what? I love our zoo, but I also did love the Shanghai Zoo. Well, the Shanghai Zoo was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Balboa Park is really cool. There's tons of museums. There's tons of like open grassy areas to picnic and hang out and people watch. One of my favorite things to do in Balboa Park, and this is a great summer activity too, is actually going to be playing Frisbee golf. Frisbee golf is becoming (laughs) really hot as a cool little recreational sport that a lot of people are getting into. And Balboa Park has a field area called Morley Field. It's well shaded also and a really, really good course. So even though the sun's going to be out and we do have temperate weather here during the summer, it's still nice to be shaded and still feel that warmth a little bit. So I would highly recommend that. And what better thing to do in the summer than have a few drinks? San Diego is known for its craft brew scene down here. Tons of breweries for you to go to and brewery hop or just even keep it casual go for a nice little ambiance, have a beer or two and leave and then just go do something else. Like San Diego is perfect in the summer. And uh, I'm just going to say it, we're real fortunate to live here. <laughs> so yes, come on down if you want to enjoy it. Yeah. And we talk about San Diego a lot since it is our hometown. So we have several episodes where we've talked specifically about things to do in San Diego, like episode 20, 13 things to do in San Diego, or episode 52, where we talk about the 13 best taco spots in San Diego. Ooh, lots of tacos. The eating's good in San Diego, especially if you want some Mexican food, tacos are king. San Diego is also a really good place to go hiking. We have a hiking episode, which is episode 41. And last but not least, if you're from San Diego or if you're visiting San Diego for an extended period of time, you might want to take some day trips from San Diego. And we have an episode all about that. That's episode 62. Well, you say that's it. I'm going to tease everybody and let you know next week we're listing the best beaches in San Diego. Are we not? 
we are. So another episode, future episode. So do check that out and we stay tuned for next week. We also have one future, future episode. Future, on future. San Diego's <laughs> best brunches. And we do brunch here. We love a good breakfast buffet or brunch. <laughs> or brunch. <laughs> so any final thoughts before we get into questions of the week? I'm excited to travel, but I'm more excited because I know we have two questions this week. Let's get into it. All right. Questions of the week. Our first question is, what place do you want to visit in the summer, but you have not done yet? Ooh, so I have two. Acadia National Park in Maine, because I feel like Maine would be a really good place to visit in summer. And then Katmai National Park in Alaska. Mm. And we were just touching on Katmai too. Got you really inspired for that one. I would say that Katmai is definitely on my list. Uh, Summer that I haven't been... Uh, that's tough. I could tell you a few of these places that we've listed are repeat summer locations that I'd like to go. Like I just got real geared up for Africa right now. I got real <laughs> geared up for Grand Tetons and Yellowstone again. But I could list I, a lot like Voyagers National Park, I know. Isle Royale, Acadia. I, I could list a lot too. I'm just on the spot. So, but those are solid repeats. But Katmai, I'm going to go with you, Brittany. I would like to do, even though I know in Europe in August, they kind of shut down a little bit, but I would love to do a nice warm summer on like the south of France, Saint-Tropez or Nice. Yeah. Or, um, Southern Italy, like Pazzitano, the Amalfi coast, or even Greece. I would love to go to Greece in the summer. So are you willing to put up with the tons of tourists that are in that location at that time? I know that is definitely kind of a bad thing about traveling in a destination's high season, but it's a high season for a reason. That's true. And not to say some of the places that we listed wouldn't have high season and be busy also, but just it's that stereotype of like Europe is just overrun during the summer. I know. They close down and everybody goes on vacation these certain weeks. But I see myself just like charcuterie board, champagne, yacht, Pazzitano. <laughs> Sounds like what? a him activity. <laughs> I love it. So our second question is, what are your best tips for summer travel? We were talking about this with Yellowstone and book early is a major, major tip for summer travel, especially when you know it's high season. Yeah, like when it's cold in winter, that's a great time to start booking your summer vacation. Uh, Six months to a year even ahead for those busy, busy places that get really expensive. I think for Glacier National Park, you want to book at least a year in advance. Same for like Grand Tetons and Yellowstones even. So definitely book early. You're going to have more options, more availability and better prices the earlier you book. Yeah. And I would also say always recheck rental car places um, and hotel prices for that matter. Like even we're talking about book everything early for best prices. And that's usually true for sure. But sometimes there's always going to be that random deal. And I can't tell you how many times we like we've relooked at a hotel that we've booked and either found it to be slightly cheaper or another hotel that's of equal quality that is going to be cheaper. Same with rental cars. So definitely do that. And last but certainly not least, off the top of my head, I would say check out those attractions early in the morning or late evening to avoid the crowds and the heat. Oh, that's a good tip. Midday, certain things are just going to be you know terrible. So some of the more popular attractions, if you're going someplace, try to do it early in the morning. Yeah. And then with that, just remember book early because then you'll have the option to choose the early one versus booking later and then being stuck with whatever's open. And kind of on that same note, you know, it is high season for some of these places. So you always want to reserve tickets for events or museums or places that you're going to. And that gives you the best availability that they have as well. All right. That sums up our summer travel hit list. Hope you guys take some really fun trips this summer. Thank you so much for tuning into our episode this week. Keep the adventures going with us on Instagram and YouTube at Travel Squad Podcast and send us in your questions of the week. If you found the information in this episode to be useful or if you thought we were just playing funny, please share it with a friend that would enjoy it too. And as always, guys, you know it. Please subscribe, rate and review our podcast and tune in every Travel Tuesday for new episodes. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Jamal gave it away. We're going to San Diego's best beaches. And we're going to have some more amazing adventures and tips in store for you. Bye, everybody. See you there. Bye. Bye.